This is going to be uh, interesting as we welcome you to the podcast again, Doug Goldstein. Episode 181, take two. <laughs> Woo! 181. All right, you said 151 earlier. Oh, I did? Yeah. Uh, it's a good thing that it is take two. This is why we're doing right, yeah. That's the thing with doing this this live. I called the, when I started, you know, I'm, we're all in quarantine across the world. This yeah. is yeah. this will be the appetite for distortion uh, sub-series, Feel My Quarantine. That's right. Yeah, that's that's what, yeah. <laughs> appetite for, for, uh, for vaccination. But, <laughs> but if you're, if you're, I'm, I'm seeing some people starting to join on the Appetite for Distortion Facebook page. So right. again, it's it's Brando uh, here at home in my apartment. I'm still just talking into my laptop, also talking to my cell phone to Doug Goldstein, our friend Doug Goldstein. Right. He's been on the show, not just as that's. I think my favorite episode was not just you and hey Lee Lee Williams from the UK. Uh, she makes. Uh, she's been a co-host. She makes uh, the sidetrack. She makes uh, paintings and clothing that get sold in I Need More. Jimmy Webb. Do you know who he is? Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. In, in his store. So she has products. Uh, oh, that's cool. In his store. Right. That's, again, the world that connects us all. I never yeah. thought I would be, you know, having these free conversations with Doug Goldstein like we've had over the years. But, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I see you're Pretty in your house. <laughs> No, it's it's been uh, it's been great. So I was saying, my favorite episode was not just learning about you and the, your Guns N' Roses stuff. It was with Doctor Stephen Thaxton. That's he, right. Yeah, the official Guns N' Roses chiropractor. He's a good doctor. That's right. Yeah, you, you can only get that on uh, an Appetite for Distortion. So that was that right, was a right. great episode. So uh, so thanks for joining. Where I, I know I asked you off the air, but I want to let because you have a lot of fans. Uh, online. How are you? You look like you're at home. You're pro- are you on quarantine like the rest of us? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, uh, we've been shut down for better part of 10 days. Um, I was actually in Springfield, Missouri uh, for about five days at a hotel and then kind of snuck in back to Memphis. Um, I passed Elvis, by the way. He was carrying a suitcase. He's working at a 7-Eleven for <laughs> snacks only, I guess, you know, so... Elvis will, sur- Elvis will survive the coronavirus if he still right. if he still is alive. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so but you feel I know you. There was some stuff. Well, I'll, I'll preface it with this. What's interesting, and I've heard this on the news. Like I rarely get sick. Knock on wood. It's yeah. mostly like allergies. And uh, I will say, if they ever want to become a sponsor, Zyrtec. Holy crap! Like Zyrt- Yeah, right. I used Claritin right. for years. Did nothing. Now I'm living with three cats, and I'm, I, you know, I have an air purifier, but uh, I was really sick maybe like a month ago. Uh, yeah. I was actually, and you shouldn't do this now, of course, and I wouldn't do this normally, but I was going into work sick with a hundred degree right. fever, right. Uh, because that's when I was filling in for the the morning show in New York City, Q1043, and it's like 
I've wanted to do this in my entire life. I, I, yeah, right. It's like that scene from The Office with Dwight where his appendix is uh, exploding. I don't yeah, know. Right. Uh-huh. That's what I was like doing the morning show. I was like, I'm okay. Uh-huh. I'm okay. Yeah. Uh, but I've, I'm fine. But obviously, I'm the quarantine working from home. Uh, I was worried yeah. about the, the sound quality of these podcasts. But I see Trevor Noah and Jimmy Kimmel. They're all doing the regular shows. Howard Stern. So people are happy to be distracted from all the shit that's going on. Well, you know, Brandon, I mean, not to get off topic, but I mean, it certainly has to do with the coronavirus. The topic is you, so. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, The the nice thing that I'm seeing is there's a unification in the country worldwide, but in our country in particular, where, I mean, there there was so much divide happening. Uh, Do you love our president? Do you hate our president? And now there's a unification that seems to be happening that has been void in our country for such a long time. I agree with that. Um, that it's actually really nice to see. It's um, sometimes I give up on uh, humanity and the way that we treat each other. But there's been just some wonderful stories out of this that uh, people with just, you know, exemplary going over the top and to help others. And, 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 that, and that's true. It doesn't matter what race, doesn't matter what your economic status is. It's just nice to see that unification. I know. And, but I will say, and I'll, I'll quote uh, actually Duff McKagan to make this, you know, we always got to get our GNR stuff in here. But sure. I was watching uh, an Instagram live interview he did with somebody from AWOL Nation. And he's talking about it. And he's like, you know what? To those who are hoarding all the toilet paper, fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> you know, yeah. But because thankfully we had a lot of toilet paper before. I know that's that's another probably TMI story. Uh, But yeah, of course, you hear those stories about people hoarding. But for the most part, you're absolutely right for a country that's really divided, especially here in the U.S. with the election and everything that's, you know, around the corner. It's like, whoa, we're all the same people. We're all the same species. We all be wiped out just like the dinosaurs. Uh, Let's not forget. So, you know, that's what I've been trying to do with. The podcast, you know, it's, it's just a uh, – I'll quote Michael Kay from the uh, – from he does a radio show and he does play-by-play for the New York Yankees when he talks okay. about his radio show. It's just a candy store. Working in radio and especially doing this GNR podcast, it's a candy store. So right. if, I'm, if I'm able not to think about it for a while, you know, I have right. the, the news on all the time. Right. If I'm able to provide, you know, some sort of break for people not to think about it, great. Sure. So that's, that's why, right. you know – uh, I appreciate you just sitting down. You know, it's not like I, I don't know how much you have going on uh, because I know last time we not spoke. A lot. Not a whole lot. <laughs> I mean, because I'm assuming all stuff for, for Matthew's Hope, the organization you're working for, is on uh, a standstill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been on hold for a bit. Um, you can't walk in and talk to people during this time period. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I can't know. do it. So. I know. No, it's uh, it's it's extremely difficult. This is a, a random question as people are slowly but surely joining the the Facebook Live, realizing that I've Doug Goldstein on. I would we tried to set up. You'll see this Doug. <laughs> <Hey>! <laughs> there he is. Hey. I tried to set up um, doing it through a Facebook chat. Despite I'm such, I, I hate myself sometimes. My my title for uh, iHeart producer for iHeart Radio and Premier Radio Networks is technical producer. That's what I technically yeah. am. My tech, I only go so far with what really what I know. So right. once this Armageddon is over, you know, I'll probably get a now that I see people are liking this. I'll get a, a nice little home set up, yeah. and Amazon's gonna. I mean, they have more 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 important things to to deliver, but they're gonna take like a like a month to deliver 
right. a microphone, so I, I at least sound better. But anyway, uh, as we're getting in some questions, so I don't forget, this is from yeah. Peter. Uh, have you ever heard the Me and My Elvis uh, song with lyrics? Speaking of Elvis. No. All right. So that because that is a leaked uh, song title from oh, okay. from Chinese Democracy, which uh, today will integrate some. I don't have sound bites, but shotgun news today. Dr. Pepper made that offer that for free Dr. Pepper for everybody. In the United States if Chinese came out by the end of the year, <laughs> which they had to pony up. <laughs> I That's guess. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what I guess uh, as we're just uh, waiting for, for more questions and everything going on, you know what? Yeah. Here's a here's a question for you. I thought and. You know, uh, Ted Nugent just gave his opinion on it, which he gives opi- his opinion on everything. Yeah, it does, yeah. You know, obviously, concerts are shut down. Sports are shut down. I know you're a big sports guy. Yeah. We did get to see Guns N' Roses once. You know, this is – I'm wearing the shirt from when I saw them in Austin, Texas. Right. And, you know, I'm I'm hoping – obviously, they're more important things. I'm hoping that they pl- – I'm going to see them, uh, what, I think in July – and, and, and with the Smashing Pumpkins opening, and I've never seen the Smashing oh, wow. Pumpkins, so okay. I'm, I'm really hoping, and I really feel bad for the fans who've had their show postponed. At least, yeah. at least it's not like the beginning of the tour where we thought like it was all going to end. Right. But but they did that. Like, what did you did you what did you think about that at the time? Like, or what did you think about? Because I admit I was wrong. I thought this at the beginning this was a flu, people overreacting. Did you were you kind of at the beginning of everybody though saying we should not do in concerts anymore? Because I don't know if you, you saw know, the- large public gatherings. I mean, certainly I was. Um, I mean, you know, I've said this to you for privately, Brandon, a million times. But the reality is, I don't manage the band anymore, well, and course. haven't since two thousand four. But I would have probably handled things a little differently. Um, you know, the, the one frustrating thing for me is there's not a whole lot of communication from either management or the band to the fans in general. I mean, t- taking it back all the way to when they started the announcement for the original reunion tour, Not In This Lifetime, it was like a one-paragraph blurb um, that, hey, by the way, we're out and going to be out there. And then I saw, like, really suffering ticket sales in Toronto – and I thought, well, sure, because nobody is out there really marketing this whole project, uh, which is a little frustrating when, as the ex-manager because we certainly used to get in front of that stuff. So you must really admire – because I had a, a few – we all have our opinions. And I understand. You're just giving your opinion and everything. That's all, yeah. that's all this is. This is just a fun, a fun distraction from it all. But yeah. to see what like, Metallica announced – Right. That they're going to do a Metallica Monday, which has been a radio right. thing for a, a while, right. but they get a live stream concerts uh, today. My girlfriend is so excited to see Dave Matthews from his living room. There you go. That's is that? Do you think that's the wave of the future? Do you think where where do you think where do you see this going? Do you, uh, I don't for, think so. I really don't. I think once this the entire virus thing kind of settled. There's something about, and it's historically always been this way, about the ability to go see the live gathering. It's like people used to ask me all the time, Brandon, why do people come to a Guns N' Roses concert? And I used to use the NASCAR analogy all the time. They don't come to see the race, they come to see the crash. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, and, and less and less and less, of course, now, uh, the guys have certainly gotten substantially more professional about getting on stage and staying on stage and everything else, but... Uh, no, I think people are always going to want to have that live experience. Uh, is why is the why is the big well look at the shirt you're wearing? Why is the biggest why is the biggest shirt 
sold at every single concert, the event shirt. Because people want to be able to say, oh, yeah, I was there at Austin, Texas. Oh, I was there at the, you know, at the Meadowlands. I was there in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, wherever. So I don't think you're ever going to be able to take that away. I do think more and more that, there, that we'll see more of what is transpiring today. Um, and, you know, and, and I, look, I mean, I, I don't want to be one of those guys, but it's something that I thought about years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, it, the ability to actually create one concert and let, I mean, it's almost like a pay-per-view, but it's done on the, on the net instead. Right. Do you foresee, because I thought it was really fascinating that the Guns N' Roses show in Mexico for people, there is a video on, online that uh, when fans are coming through, and it's not just checking your back and all that, which they do now. I mean, the world changed after nine sure. eleven, of course. Sure. But I guess it's a, like a temperature reader. Like, do, oh wow! Yeah, because they were, and they would even pull people aside. I mean, it's scary. Like, it's just it looked like something yeah. out of a you know like a horror movie. But yeah, do you foresee even that people having to take their temperature before they enter like an arena? I don't think so. Like, I, I think in a pandemic situation like this. People are pulling out all the stops and, and doing things that are, you know, um, uh, the responsible thing to do. I think once everything's settled back down, I don't think it's going to get to that. I could be wrong, but I certainly don't, you know, see that chemical warfare is going to be something that needs to be checked at the door. <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, let's let's hope so, because I listen to a lot of sports radio, and it's obviously the, the same conversation about going to sporting events, especially right. ones like like football, where the home experience is um, usually perceived to be a lot better than the in, the on you know the game, you know hockey is a little different, but you know with with concerts, you're right. I mean, this is great. You know, you, I saw the lead singer of Death Cab for Cutie. You know, like you know Elton John's putting on a concert, the big right, scary thing yeah, this uh, yeah. this Sunday. What, what what happens if you if you if you have to make a decision like that? A, are you then profiling by pulling somebody to the side to 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 measure them, or if, if worst case scenario, you actually have to, to take the temperature of every single person. What happens to the, when do you need to start letting people in? Because the ingress is going to take hours to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, it's not just a simple solution. No, you're right. I don't think so. Uh, just to gather, which is why we're doing this, uh, this Facebook Live. Um, and let me just make sure I plug in my phone before I lose you. This is how professional I am. But I have twenty percent left. I'm I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah, okay. You're not bad. Uh, but this is from uh, Eric. He wants to say, yeah. Doug, can you tell me the story of how the Chicago 1992 show of Ro- of the Rosemont went? I was there. Then of course the next show was canceled, and the band headed to London. I believe. Can you talk about how that all went down? Uh, I'm trying to remember that, to be honest with you. If, if that was the show the night after the uh, St. Louis riot, um, then it would have been all about trying to get the gear prepped and ready to go. I, did, To be honest with you, and I apologize, Eric, I don't really remember the... If you can elaborate a little bit more as to what transpired, uh, just to refresh my memory, at age 58, some of the stuff had some cracks <laughs> Okay. All right. So hopefully, Eric, uh, we get a follow up. Uh, this yeah. is a cool one. This is from Luigi. Sorry for saying it like that, Luigi. Luigi. Uh, how is it to deal with Bucket? His uh, w- his behavior was so bad as people uh, so pointed. Uh, it wasn't bad. I mean, look, the behavior wasn't bad. It was just head scratching. I guess that's the best way to put it. You know, to hear that uh, he can't play his leads until we build him literally a chicken coop. 
in the studio for him to play. I mean, it's, it was just stuff that you're not really used to dealing with. But to be honest with you, Brandon uh, and, and Luigi uh, in particular, I was so used to dealing with anomalies at that point. Mm. You know, when you're hired as a manager and you get a phone call that somebody, and you can certainly fill in the blanks, somebody had pushed a, a grand piano through the uh, picture window um, and it's overhanging houses below it, that's not a normal manager's job to, to then call a heavy equipment company uh, and, and get a, uh, you know, something called up that can actually pull it back inside of the home. So dealing with Bucket was kind of easy. That was like, all right, so, you know, he wants a chicken coop. I <laughs> damn chicken coop. That's fine. But, you know, he was a really nice guy, a really nice guy. He was uh, very shy, very, 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 very shy. Uh, I, that's why I, I got to believe, and I really, you know, admire in a way that he really has kept his identity for the most part yeah. secret. It's, yeah. you know, you have somebody uh, like pop star Sia. I mean, you could see pictures of what she looks like, and I appreciate sure. the message of it all. Um, and even somebody younger who's going to be part of that that charity thing on Sunday with Elton John, uh, Billie Eilish. She wears big clothes, so yeah. you don't really. That's right. But I think recently she kind of, you know shoulder shoulders or something like that right hey brandon be before i get uh before i go on to the next question if there is one i did want to say one of the one of the people that from the chinese democracy era and after that i really really love and didn't get to know him as well as i'd like to but his work ethic is second to, to none as far as any musician i've ever seen and that's ron thal bumblefoot hmm. Uh, the guy is just, uh, I mean, he's always, 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 always working. And I've talked to a lot of people that know him, and everybody seems to feel that he's just one of the greatest people on the planet. And certainly a great guitar player. I mean, that's one thing. Axel def definitely knew where to go to get great guitar players when he was looking for a replacement. Agreed. And I, I had mentioned it on the podcast before, uh, but I forget if I told you, Bucket uh, Bumblefoot was my very yeah. first radio interview ever. Okay. I I met him uh, at a Guns N' Roses show in Ottawa during his first right. tour, and he came outside stage wearing that Russian winter coat and hat thing he was doing at the time, and sure. nobody recognized him. The security guard even said to him, does anybody recognize you tonight? I did because I was patrolling my GNR forum, and I'm obviously a yeah. nerd. He was very nice, so we kept in touch through MySpace and okay. uh, MySpace, and then uh, MySpace, right? I know, uh, but now, and which is why I appreciate you so much, and I get it. You know, I, I respect Bumblefoot because he is a really nice guy. A guy, the times I've spoken to him and met him, uh, yeah. that he doesn't want to come on my podcast because it has a GNR theme. It just seems like it's hurts him a little bit, and. You know, I hope he changes his mind because I know he's a great guy. He's a well, brilliant you know what guitar that, you player. Know what that's tantamount to, Brandon? It, it's like, you know what? You used that. You worked your ass off. Why not take advantage of it? It's tantamount to my kid who, God bless him, Jake. I'm wearing my honey shirt today. Um, oh, oh, let's let's, uh, let's let's show it the ghetto yeah, way. I'm wearing my honey shirt. Wait, yeah, hold on. Let's, yeah. uh, <laughs> honey, there we go. He's wearing, yeah. and that's Snoopy, of course. That's right. And yeah. I told Doug off the air that Snoopy was kind of my first word. It was booby because <laughs> my mom was obsessed. That's, that's right. another story. <laughs> but so anyway, so with him, you know, I, I still to this day, even though I'm not in the music business, I get people that are always asking me, hey, can you help me? Can you help me? Hmm. He called me five and a half, six years ago and said, I don't want your help. 
and got signed to Epitaph with no help from his dad, and he's touring with his buddies. They, you know, they just came back from Europe, and so, but, you know, I, I originally look, I respected his decision. Don't get me wrong, but the reality is, could I have helped him? Yeah, probably. But he didn't want to be known as the kid who rode the Guns N' Roses coattails. So God bless him. I mean, he, he killed it on his own. I think that's there's a lot to admire. Uh, about that because there, of course there are plenty of artists who do that and that's not even saying that's right or wrong it's, it's a different circumstance for everybody but to sure. to want to go out and prove yourself it's like when i uh interviewed london and london uh, london hudson slashes some yeah. and he wanted yeah. to specifically play drums imagine right. that being a guitar player being slash's son it's one thing being yeah, slash's right. yeah. kid but yeah, right. and he's a, a, a great drummer um yeah. so uh, another question if you want uh, Dennis Pratt asks, can you tell the Borgata 1991 story? Borgata? Oh, Bogota! Oh, Bogota. Forgive me. Bogota. Forgive me. I gotta get reading glasses. Yeah, wrong. Yeah, so that was an interesting stop. Back, back then, Bogota was an incredibly dangerous place. Escobar was still in rain. And so we show up, and there's and and there was a coup attempt in Caracas, Venezuela, the night before. We got out; our gear gear did not make it out. So we land, and and immediately the promoters, which are the guy that runs the runs and owns the radio station, the guy that runs and owns the television station, and the guy that runs and owns the newspaper, they want to meet with me because they wanted to cancel one of our shows because the gear wasn't going to be there. And I said, no, no, well. Instead of playing Friday, Saturday, we'll play Saturday, Sunday because my gear will be here. No, no, no. So they decided to go ahead with one show. Um, at about 3 o'clock in the morning, I got a phone call that they had our publicist and they were going to hold her for ransom. And I said, we'll go ahead because she's not that good anyway. So, um, and she was. I was just calling her bluff, basically. Hmm. Um, so uh, they played the next night. There's no roof over the stage. And so it starts pouring rain during November rain. And um, they had oversold by 30,000 tickets. So there's 70,000 people inside, 30,000 people that have tickets outside that can't get in. So I'm watching, the, the band has no idea what's going on, and I'm watching out back. There's cops on horseback with these huge malice, and they're just beating the piss out of people. Um, and so uh, we're trying to put a stop to that. Um, and uh, so the next morning at about 7 a.m., uh, I read and speak Spanish because I grew up in San Diego. Okay. So uh, 7 o'clock in the morning, there's a pounding on my door. I In my boxes, I open the door, and this guy hands me a letter in Spanish after he shows a machine gun in my chest and says, you have a mandatory meeting with the mayor at 3 o'clock. And I knew there was no meeting. So we had hired, I had hired U.S. Embassy Security off-duty. Uh, and so I called my guy over and I said, Mark, what does this say? And he said, well, it says, yeah, I, I know what it says, but is there a meeting? He said, no. And I said, so it's time to boogie. He said, yeah. So we woke up the band members and some of them were still awake because, again, we were in Bogota, Colombia. So some of them hadn't slept in, since we arrived. <laughs> um, so uh, we loaded up the plane and as we went to taxi away, uh, Bogota's at like six to 7,000 feet in the air. So they start taxiing back because they needed to pump up the engine with better oxygen, I guess. And so I thought that, oh, shit, they're onto us, and so they're going to pull me off the damn plane. 
they were going to take me. They were going to kidnap me. Um, no question in anybody's mind. Um, so a couple other funny stories during that time period, but we'll save those for the book. <laughs> I know. Any um, – because I know we've, we've talked about it, and that's why I'm always appreciative of whatever story in, in – you can always send. I know my, my listeners may not want to hear this, but you can always censor whatever you want to censor to save for yourself. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Um, one is this was a good question to kind of keep a, a little bit around the Chinese era while we were talking. Sure. Uh, this is from another Brandon, uh, Brandon yeah. Fields. Uh, were there any big names Axel was trying to bring in as a replacement during the democracy era that aren't public knowledge? No, I think everybody everything's been talked about. I yeah. mean you know, I think the first person that Axel had me contact, if I remember correctly, it, it's either Navarro first or Zach first, Zach Wild. Mm -hmm. I had managed Zach, um, Pride and Glory, which was a, a, a great project that never got off the ground because it was a Southern rock record. And at the time, people in America were listening to Nirvana and uh, Pearl Jam. Mm -hmm. So it never really got the, the opportunity that it deserved. Uh, at least my in my humble opinion, um, you know, I'd love to see him re-release that record. He's certainly done well with Black Label Society. Sure, um, but I don't remember which one came first. It was either Navarro or Zach Wild. Um, there was never really, I mean, other than uh, you know what's been publicly put out there. No, I okay, mean, yeah. Uh, this is a good question, and considering, you know, I know you're not in the music business now, but you're keeping, yeah. obviously, tabs on your son and, and the band Honey and, sure. you know, how things used to used to be. Uh, this is from yeah. Anthony. Uh, how does he believe Gunn should release a new album? Since Slash apparently claims he doesn't know with the state of music nowadays, how would he like to see it? And that's, I guess, a paraphrase of, I don't know if you read that Slash comment. Cause, okay, because there's so many just different ways to do it now. Do you do... A full album anymore, do you, you know, because we got, a, in a way, a Guns N' Roses song through Looney Tunes. So there's always a different way to, <laughs> you know. I mean, you know, it's it's uh, it kind of harkens back to when there were 32, 34 songs on Use Your Illusion. My argument back then was let's release one album, tour on it, and then release the second album mid tour to kind of prolong or give new breadth into the life of. Well, the that's tour. cool. That's a cool idea. Well, it didn't manifest because, you know, oh. Axel, of course, wanted the first albums ever to enter one and two. But uh, well, that's cool, too. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, look, if if I were in a position of authority, which, again, clearly I'm not, uh, what I would uh, hope to do is to release a, an EP, tour on it, and then halfway through the tour, three quarters of the way through the tour, release a second. But make it balanced. Don't put all the good songs on one and then you know, the, 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 the least attractive on the second one. Have them balanced. Yeah, uh, totally. So do you believe in a full album or do you believe in like an EP? No, a digital you know, uh, Like, for instance, today, uh, Nine Inch Nails released two albums for free. Right. Like, out of nowhere. You know, right. so there's so many different ways to do it. Right. Well, it depends on what you're trying to, what your goals are, right? True. And if your goals and objectives are to try and, I mean, look, Nobody's making money from the sales of albums anymore unless you're in country. Um, mm. You know, nobody buys rock records anymore. They, they give them away. So uh, if, you're, if you're looking to, and, they, and look, I mean, Slash and, and Duff and Axler, they're smart guys. And so they realize that they're not going to make the same amount of money that they would make back in the 90s had they released an album now. 
um, not from songwriting, not from royalties of the actual sales of the record. So you're trying to get people to come to your concert. So I would argue that there's really no reason to release a full album. Hmm. Um, at least not if what you're trying to do is maximize the profitability of the project that you're working on. And if the pro if the project that you're working on is the not in a lifetime two, then give the record away, five songs, and three quarters away, halfway through the tour, release the other four, uh, five. I, I, we want anything at this point. Uh, right. <laughs> Diana says hi from San Diego, your hometown. Because a, hey. a lot of people are just saying hello. This is uh, Iona from Greece. She right. says, uh, welcome back, Doug. And to follow up on Eric's uh, Chicago question, the Rosemont, he replied, do, 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 uh, no, after DA threatened to arrest Axel, the next show was canceled April two, uh, 1992, fallout from the St. Louis previous summer. Okay. Um, well, yeah I, don't, yeah, I don't really remember, to be honest with you, and I apologize, Eric. Um, you know, I'm sure that what you're saying is accurate because there was a lot of fallout and everybody was trying to arrest him. Um, <laughs> Out to he get finally me. Got, he finally got arrested in New York um, when he flew back. But uh, that was all set up previously. You know, uh, we knew that he was going to arrive and turn himself in mm. um, just to be arrested. And, and so I don't really remember us having to, quote unquote, get out of town, if you will. Uh, but it was, yeah, scary times. Anytime you're trying to protect somebody from getting arrested, of course, and that's, you know, it's, uh, yeah. So I don't really remember having to make any strategic moves to make that happen. Okay. But probably did. I mean, I certainly, yeah, had to do that a number of times. All right. Uh, Leandro just wants to say hi from Columbia. Hey! My, my first GNR show was when I was 16. Uh, this is from Mr. Anderson from Texas. Uh, was there a South American tour planned for January 1997? Matt said that there were shows being uh, looked at. Uh, that would have been a tough get because I didn't really have anybody in the band. Um, I don't think – I think Matt and Duff were already gone at that point. Um or certainly shortly thereafter. So I don't really think that I would have been booking shows when there would have been no product to tour on. Hmm. All right. Uh, Roboito says hello from Atlanta. Uh, hey, you, not Atlanta. Sorry. Hey, Atlanta. Forgive me. It was Orlando. It was Orlando before you go off in Atlanta. All right. Okay. Atlanta, sorry. <laughs> Disney World shut down, man. <laughs> That's when you knew things were bad. When Disney well, World shut but, down. But I mean, I don't know if you saw Brandon. The, the price of a single-day pass now is $200 at Disneyland at Disney World. $200. I mean, at some point, it's, it's tantamount to, to what's happening with sports and with entertainment, music, certainly. You know, the, the, the people are, are demanding so much money, players, either athletes or musicians or whatever, that it has to be passed on to the consumer. And so it's become kind of an elitist situation if you don't have a lot of money you're not going to be able to take your kids to disneyland you can't afford to go to a sporting event you can't afford to go to a concert um at what point does somebody just go stop time out i mean to see you know i saw where i think it was rage is touring at 25 dollars a ticket which i was like god bless them make it affordable man no well i think at first fans were upset and then they did 
you know, tied it with the charity. Yeah, you know, you're right. With sports, it's going to reevaluate a lot of different things, you know, prioritize. So it's it's not like we sure. wanted our pause and reset to come at this cost, you know, the cost of, you know, a virus. <laughs> but, right. you know, if there is a, so if there, if there are silver linings to come, you know, I, I say bring them on. Um, right. Manuel says, what was the relationship or asks rather, what was the relationship between GNR and Great White? Yeah, they, they liked each other. There was kind of a mutual respect there. I mean, I lived with Jack Russell, the singer. Um, oh, you lived with him? Yeah. Yeah, I lived with him uh, before I got married. Uh, we lived in Redondo Beach together. Jack's a hilarious guy. I've got some kind of funny stories that I'll have to tell off the record. Fair me. enough. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, he's a, I mean, but they, they like each other. I mean, look, the original Live at the Reds, Great White was supposed to headline. And and Nevin saw that that probably would not be a great idea, so he swapped it. But the Great White guys, I mean, they appreciated uh, the, the Guns guys and Conversely, the guns guys really appreciate the great white guys. It's very different, right? But um, I think having the same um, uh, management company, there was—I mean, there's always camaraderie. There's not necessarily competitiveness. At least we didn't have that. I don't believe. Okay. Uh, Wojtek just says greets from Germany. Hey, all right, Germany. I mean, this is just cool that all these different people are, are joining and, and still appreciate, you know, what you, you know, your time with the band all these years later. Yeah. It means a lot to me, Brandon. It really does. You know, I mean, you and I talked about this before we even got started. Uh, my reality is that I stopped getting paid from GNR in 2004 when I retired to Hawaii. But, you know, I love the fans, be it new fans or old fans. And so I'll always um, be here to, to answer questions if I do the best of my ability. Right. At least what I remember. <laughs> where, like, where in your head? Because we've talked about the book, you know, and now you, you got time. You know, yeah. do you, is it just um, something that you set out to do, and it's just kind of, um, or is there like a plan that you have? Is it, is it more? Well, yeah. I mean, there's been a couple of plans, right? I thought that it would be fun to have a book done and tour um, all the Barnes and Nobles in the same city that the band was in, but it just hasn't come to fruition because the guy that was supposed to be writing it with me, uh, doesn't live here. And okay. so um, that's kind of had to be put on hold. But, um, you know, I mean, I, it's nothing I'm rushing, to be honest with you, Brandon, because I don't feel that, uh, at least not now, because I, I certainly won't have it done by the time they tour again. So okay. now it's back on the back burner. But and it's interesting, you know, I read a lot of things that were in Slash and Duff's books and, and God bless them, but they were in no position to be writing that. And, and again, and you've heard me say this before, Brandon, um, not on your show, but uh, but with uh, Jeff and Sid. On Gina Central, uh, sure. Yeah, what am I, what am I great? And I saw an interview with Duff the other day, and he was right. You know, at some point, somebody during the Years of Your Illusion Tour, that person being me, should have pulled everybody off the road. Um, Duff, you know, I was paying a lot of attention to what was happening with Slash's uh, health. And I was paying zero attention, yet it was right in front of me to what was happening with Duff McKagan. Hmm. And, and and I love Duff McKagan. I love him. He's my brother. He's my family. And But the guy almost died when his pancreas uh, exploded on him. And, and I saw that. I should have saw that coming. I'm certainly no medical doctor, but I, I saw what was transpiring every single day. 
and there's no excuses for it. And so I accept culpability for that. Um, it's one of my one of my biggest regrets of my life is the fact that I allowed wow. that to go on and didn't pull it pull it off the road. Well, I mean, thank us, thank God, or whatever you believe in that you know how, how healthy he is now. He looks younger today than he did back then. No question, no question. But the reality is, you know, for whatever reason. Uh, be it financial or otherwise, I didn't pull it off the road, and I should. I was in a, I was in a place of responsibility where I should have just said, "Stop, that's it, time out." Instead of worrying about you know the the whatever 250 people that were on the road, and uh, you know my responsibility wasn't to those 250 people as much as it was to the actual band members. They were paying me a lot of money, and I should have taken care of their health, but I didn't. So. For that, I, you know, and I look, one of my mantras in life is I, I refuse to look in the, the rearview mirror for fear of running into the wall in front of me. But mm. in retrospect, you know, that's one of the things that I that I do give myself a hard time about is I never should have allowed, particularly Doug McKagan, to get in that situation. All right. Well, you know, I appreciate you, uh, you know, sharing those thoughts. Uh, this is from Michaela. Uh, hey, Doug. Uh, she hey, wants. She wanted to. Daniela Clark runs a podcast now, and I wanted to ask okay. if she did an episode with the other GNR girls from the Illusion era: Stephanie, Renee, Linda, Kai, and Lisa. What should they talk about? Wow, what should they talk about? Um, I don't know. Maybe what it was like, um, you know, to be on the road with all the craziness, and you know, and I mean, do they feel? You know that uh, that there were any. Um, I don't know. I don't. Know. What, what were their feelings on something that was that huge? Did they feel a part of it? Did they not feel a part of it? Okay. Um, yeah, but I mean, that, I think that's great for Daniela. I love Daniela. She's a doll, and I love going. Right on. Uh, this you, know, is... you know, it's really unfortunate, Brandon. And uh, as as history has written it, um, Gilby is still, at least as far as I know, still under the impression. That Axel uh, shit canned him, um, kind of without notice, or, or and it's just not fact. I mean, I think that Slash and Duff wanted to keep Gilby in the project, but Axel was consistent right from the very beginning. As soon as the tour is over, you will not have a position, and so um, you know, I don't think Gilby really he, he tends to attack Axel publicly as opposed to maybe looking to the side and saying, why weren't you guys telling me the reality, which is that I wasn't going to have a job just as this guy had said all along. What, why do you think he was just hired supposedly as far as just that tour and not someone to continue because the band continued? Why wasn't he that guy? You know, I can't answer that. In Axel's head, he planned on going in a different direction, which would have been a, a two-lead guitar player and one rhythm guitar player, right? Why not a different rhythm guitar player? I don't know. And the other thing that's really frustrating to me is all along, and look, you can't go backwards, you can't put the genie back in the bottle, but all along, when Axel said, Paul Hughie's only there until Slash and Duff find a replacement, and I would tell those guys every single day, if you find a replacement, you won't have to deal with Paul Hugh anymore. And they never brought one up. They just thought it would go away. What was there's so little known about Paul Hughey. What? How did he get into the mix? You know, what? what, what he was a friend of Axel's from Indiana. Okay. Um, you know, he used to come to shows uh, in the early days. But the reality is, um, he was only there to fill a space. 
And, and, and only Axel knows why he wouldn't have had Gilby just stay in the band. I don't know the answer to that question. All I do know is that he was consistent with his words from day one. And maybe that's, Axel's a real principled guy. Maybe that was part of it. And why was Paul Hughie essentially just, it, it was leaked. And uh, I will say that I may or may not have seen it, that, t- that comeback 2001 House of Blues show where he, right. he played. You know, I had never seen, there's no other place to see him play with Gene R. Was right. that his only show? Was right. So what what happened there? Why was he such a short-lived? Well, I mean, I don't think... It, it, I mean, Axel said it from the beginning and all the way through. He's not my permanent replacement. He knew that Paul Hughie didn't have the look for it anyway. Hmm. It wasn't the look that he was interested in having. He was just filling space until somebody would replace him. Yeah. And I don't know if it became... It could have been, you know, the, uh, the uh, Emperor's New Clothes. Maybe people were afraid to put somebody into the mix for fear that Axel would say, no, screw you, and then they'd be out. I don't know. I mean, only only Axel knows that. I'm not really sure. Well, uh, hopefully he has a book coming out as well. <laughs> Axel, I'll tell you what, if Axel had a book coming out, that guy has a memory like a steel trap. I mean, yeah. it, oh, his memory is crazy good. Crazy good. Yeah. All right, well... Uh, so let's hope maybe one day we'll get another one too. We'll get the Axel number one bestseller and then Doug Goldstein number two on the New York Times bestseller. Why does it have to be in that order? <laughs> I want to get him on the show. That's why you you keep going. <laughs> We're already friends. <laughs> uh, this is from uh, from Dennis to go back to a different era. Uh, what happened with the back end tour dates? Uh, the, the later June dates with Iron Maiden in 1988. Well, I mean, look the the. It was never going to fly that tour. Um, they may have liked the band Iron Maiden, but we, when we went out on that tour, um, the very first day, Axel came into the dressing room. He said, no interviews. That's it. Uh-uh. No. I said, what, what are you talking about? He goes, dude, have you seen their stage set? I am not having any. I'm not interviews. No photos. He goes, I will not have my picture taken in front of their stage set. Have you seen it? I said, no, no. And so I pulled slides aside. I said, slide. This is what I used to always do. I pulled slides aside. Axel's was being difficult. I need your help. He goes, okay, what's up? And I said, um, he says that there's no photos because the stage set is ridiculous. He goes, I'll be right back. He goes back. He goes, I agree with him. I said, no, dude, come on. So I said, Duff, let's go check it out. We went out there and Duff's just shaking his head. He goes, I'm sorry. He goes, it's unanimous, Doug. He goes, so I look up, and there's all these robotic ducks, right, as their backdrop, and Eddie swatting these robotic ducks. And, and so I knew, it was like, you know what, it is so not who Guns N' Roses is. It had nothing to do with what they do or, or, or did or didn't think of the, the musical abilities of Iron Maiden. They just, it stood for everything that Guns N' Roses wasn't. Uh, so we ended up, yeah, pulling off of that. I think the... The official response was that Axel was having a difficult time singing, and he was. But you know, he used to have a lot of difficulties singing, and and uh, but I don't think that was the the real reason. I think it was just the fact that it just wasn't a good marriage that that whole tour. All right, fair enough. Um, and I, I'm forgive me if I'm mispronouncing this guy's uh, name, Emitero, uh, uh, Jermaine from uh, Oakland, California. Thanks for okay. this live cast. No problem. It'll be up uh, for a podcast for you guys to get an iHeartRadio and all the usual uh, places. But that just means if you listen to it there, you weren't involved in the live broadcast. So, right, so right. shame on you. 
Uh, but but it was also, I mean, Doug and I, we, we've, you know, we've been chatting over the last, I mean, not just recently, but just, we knew this was going to happen again. Sure. Uh, but yeah. this was just like, hey, can you do it now? Oh, sure. <laughs> oh, so it's all right. I'm wearing my my Simpsons pajama bottoms. It's okay. There you go. Very nice. Uh, he asks, uh, in your option, uh, in your opinion, I can't read today. In your opinion, what was your best, the best live show you've ever seen? Paris pay per view, Chicago rant show. Uh, I guess what was the the best live? I guess Guns N' Roses show he's referring to that you've ever right. seen. I think you've answered that, right? Was it the Freddie Mercury? I don't know. You know what? I mean, to me, it's a Freddie Mercury tribute always. Yeah. Uh, I would have to say, you know, in the original um, Live Aid, uh, who stole the show? Uh, Queen. No question. I mean, I was actually sitting in a room with the singer of Air Supply, Russell Hitchcock, watching that show. And Russell Hitchcock is no slouch vocally, right? I mean, the guy's got pipes for days. You may not be a fan of Air Supply, right? But <laughs> it's hard to argue that fact. I mean, the guy's just got pipes for days. And he was just saying, this guy's the best I've ever seen. So fast forward at the uh, at the uh, Freddie Mercury tribute, I, in my humble opinion, and I certainly uh, have a, a dog in the race, but I felt like Guns N' Roses really was the best band from that show. Um, and it was just a nice, it was a collection of, you know, the greatest musicians ever. Yeah. Um, and so I was really proud to watch the guys perform with that. Either that or, you know what, Maracana, uh, the, the first time we played uh, in Rio, uh, with the exception of Axel making me sing Knocking on Heaven's Door. Uh, <laughs> I did. Uh, that, that was a great, I mean, and that's just, I think a lot of it has to do with emotionally, uh, for me, um, those are shows that I was really proud of the guys, and because I mean it's the bunker mentality, right? You're you're touring with basically it's like the Partridge family, and you've heard me say that before. But you're touring along with your group of friends and family, and you don't realize how large you are until you step out in front of two hundred twenty-five thousand people, and they're all, and there's not one blonde in the whole group, right? <laughs> and and people are screaming and yelling, and I mean it was just it was a sight to see. Uh, I. I can only imagine, which is why I appreciate, you know, conversations or, or books that come out or, or films or, you know, right. uh, who knows if we'll ever see a book. books, by the way, Mick Wall, what a scumbag he was. <laughs> and the guy called me out, Brandon, and he said, you know, Doug, um, you and, and uh, uh, Peter Grant of Led Zeppelin um, are the greatest managers of all time. And I, I want to put you on, quote unquote, the Mount Rushmore of rock and roll managers um so i'm doing this book and i'd like to get an interview so i spent about 60 hours with the guy on the phone and shame on me wow i didn't get editorial approval and the book comes out and it makes niven look like a superstar and it makes me look like a sycophant you know i was a scumbag who was just lying there waiting and it's just unfair and he just he lied which is really you know it hurt my feelings to be honest with you i mean you know, anger is never a primary emotion. It's always secondary based on something else. And in my life, it's uh, oftentimes because my feelings are hurt. My feelings are really hurt. I took advantage of me a lot. Sorry you went through that experience. That'll never happen with That's me. Right. <laughs> That'll never happen here. And never happen with that, me. Yeah. Why, am, why am I talking to you? <laughs> <laughs> Which I can, you know, I, uh, I appreciate it. Uh, Michaela asks, asks uh, another good question. Uh, did you speak with Matt Sorum when he was writing, uh, when he was in the process of writing his book, which is set to be released no, in July? I never did talk to Matt. You know, Matt, um, 
he sent me a message on Facebook about a month ago. Oh. And I responded and told him that I'd love to talk to him, and I just never heard back from him. Oh. I, look, I mean, what Matt has done with his life, uh, sans Guns N' Roses, uh, you know, watching his social causes mm. and uh, and everything that he's that he's done professionally as well, uh, his band with Geezer Butler, and I mean, yeah. it's it's really impressive. And and Matt's not the same guy that I toured with. Wow. Okay. Um, He's a wonderful, he's turned into a really wonderful man, and I've I let him know that I'm just really proud of who he's become as a human being. Oh, wow. That's that's really cool to hear. Uh, this is from uh, Paul Elliott. Uh, hey, Doug and Brando. Hello from Scotland. Apologi- hey, Paul! <laughs> Apologies if asked before. There was a lot of, uh, of uh, speculated release dates for Chinese democracy. Was there any specific point that Doug thought it was ready to be released, or did it? Did he agree that it wasn't ready when handled, uh, handed into the label. Can't remember what year. Uh, so thanks. And then, as we mentioned before, you know, if, I know some of you may be catching this live, and you want to, you know, when I end this uh, live, you can listen back, or when the podcast is out, you know, uh, mentioning that this is uh, the date, uh, March twenty sixth, two thousand eight, where Dr Pepper made that offer. Right. So I guess you know, because that's that's an era we all. You know, I think GNR fans are chomping at the bit there just to know more about, you know, especially knowing how much material is put out there. So did you think that it was it was ready to be released and then it was all of a sudden just not? Yeah, no, I mean, no, because Axel was too busy tinkering. A lot of people wonder why did it take so long, why did it take so long? And I have certainly have my own professional opinion on that. Um, you know, when, when it was the first time in his life he ever had to release a product – that wasn't, you know, five band members that he knew, or at least four band members that he knew in the band. And so the scrutiny he knew in his own mind, it was all going to be put on him. I don't care how many times you say Buckethead's involved or this person's involved or whatever. At the end of the day, everybody was going to scrutinize Axel. Uh, and, and so getting him to release the baby <laughs> the baby's 10 years old and walking and ready to go to into fourth grade <laughs> but, and, and that's my own opinion we've never had that discussion Axel and I but you know in, in retrospect um, I, I and I thought that back then that's what was happening I used to get called to Jimmy Iveen's office um, who was the president of the label about once a month, and he would go on and on and on about where's my album, where's my album, and I tell him the reality is like, look, if I push Axel in one direction, he's going to run in the other. So what do you want me to do? And they used to be ended up being short conversations because he knew I was right. I mean, you know, with Axel, you just don't push him. I mean, he's going to go in whatever direction he's going to go in. You know, as that was happening, you know, I, I, it was probably an early college, and that was at the time where I really got into. Really got into Guns N' Roses and was searching the forums for all the leaks of, of of this album that may or may never come out. And uh, you know, as a, as speaking as just a, a fan and growing up, you kind of sometimes project your own feelings onto the members and, and or the songs, and that's why they become your favorite band. Yeah. So I always felt like, you know, my life or my radio career is like my Chinese democracy. Everything needs to be perfect. You know, it was a big challenge for me to do this podcast and to sure. do it by myself. You know, my, my first couple times professionally on the air, my hands were shaking, you know, right. and I'm comfortable talking right now. But yeah. I've always been a part of a radio station. Like Axel is always right. a part of a band. I was always a part of talking around the music. Now, Great analogy. I get it. 
get it. You're right. Yeah, GNR is the theme, but it's it's me, and people have to like me <laughs> at the same time, and you know, which is why it's awkward doing a Facebook Live. I like being behind the camera, so I always compared it to that. So I, I never really fault him for that. It's just you know, you you wish you went through the process a little quicker or something. Right. And so, a couple things, Brandon, if you don't mind, I'd like to, just some clarification. Okay. So, I've read, you know, one of the first things when you Google Doug Goldstein, GNR, Doug Goldstein Manager, whatever, uh, this guy uh, says, in the title of the thing, I can't get it to a race, whatever, why is Doug Goldstein full of shit? <laughs> right? I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all right, yeah, I laugh. So, but it all has to do with... Um, with uh, when I commented on the fact that I thought one of the key things to the breakup uh, of Slash and Axel was when Slash played with Michael Jackson, and this guy's you know lamenting over the fact that you know none of the accusers came out until long after. Well, you know what? Yeah, you're right. But if you think that us in the entertainment industry did not know about Michael Jackson and all the allegations that were way, way back, mid-80s. Yeah. We all knew. Hmm. You know, had it been confirmed? No. Did I know the head of security at Neverland Ranch? Yes. So I knew what had transpired, as did Axel, as did every single person in the music industry. And if they say they didn't, they're full of shit. So uh, it, it goes back to the armchair quarterback thing. You know, when somebody sits behind their computer and goes, Doug Goldstein is full of shit. Well, you weren't there. That's so how, yeah. you walk in my shoes... Kiss my ass. <laughs> the other thing that I wanted to clarify with you, Brandon, is, you know, when I hear, um, you know, uh, if Axel said jump, Doug Goldstein said how high. Well, you know what? Um, uh, was I a placator? No. Did I have a – nobody knows my private conversations with Axel Rose. Agreed. The reality is he gave me the opportunity because he respected my opinion to share my opinion. He did it in every situation. Did he always listen to what my opinion was? No. But did he give me the opportunity to at least voice my opinion? In every case, yes. So, you know, it's real easy, again, to be an armchair quarterback and sit back and say, you know, uh, you did this or that. Well, A, most of the people that are writing uh, weren't even there. They weren't even born. <laughs> I know. So, hey, hang on a second. Uh, the gal's calling. No, all good. I can, uh, I can mute it. <laughs> hey, I'm doing a podcast. What's up? <laughs> See, I answer the phone when my girlfriend calls the other day. Now Doug is answering. Sure. Sounds good. I love it. Anything. I don't care. And uh, hey, Graham from uh, from Ireland. Uh, a coin from the Netherlands. No, it's all good. I love it because the other day when I did this, my girlfriend called. So, so it's just I love it. It's part of the the live uh, radio thing. But I, I agree. You know, even with me. You know, I, I've said from day one, and my friend uh, Ian, who when we started the podcast, I'm just, you know, how can I be an expert about a band that I wasn't there for? You know, I can read other people's stories. You can watch other people's movies. I can do interviews right. and hear other people's versions. I was right. not there. You know, right. I, I've, I try to give you as educated as a version as I have, sure. but you should always take that, you know, with a group. I guess with anything, whether it's news, you know, politics, you know, use your own brain at the end of the day. Well, yeah. All you got to do is watch CNN or watch Fox it's and look at It's the same news, but it's skewed so differently. It's uh, who, who's in front of you. It's, it's frightening. It is absolutely yeah. frightening. Uh, but not to lose it, to clarify, when you said, you know, because I, I, 
I was young when that first round of allegations came together because I was my, probably my one of my first favorite artists was Michael Jackson. You know, uh, I had. Brandon, I'm sorry to intercede real quick, but that's another thing. You know what? I'm not saying I wasn't, a, I wasn't, and I'm not still a Michael Jackson fan. Uh, sure, I mean you have to compartmentalize. But the reality is, I knew that certain things were transpiring at Neverland Ranch, and as did everybody else in the entertainment industry. Well, yeah. Then, then on that, do you mean you knew of the allegations, or you actually knew something bad was happening? I knew something bad was happening. <sighs> oh, we yeah. all did. I, I think I'm. I refuse to watch that. Uh, I know it's not airing anymore, but that documentary on HBO. I think I. I just right. don't want to. Um, you know, I don't want to be faced with that as someone who loves his music. And, and, I admit it. The thing. I'm not making excuses for any bad behavior ever, but I know how a person becomes like that. Um, yeah, know, it, yeah, yeah. When you're when you're six, seven years old, and your big brothers are throwing thirty year old women inside of your room. Uh, your perception or your perceptivity of what women are and or or any person for uh, you know for a sexual relationship become greatly skewed um, and so you know and I'm not again in no way shape or form am I making excuses for uh, a deceased person's behavior um, it just it that was never part of what I was trying to get across when I made the statement about uh, about it, it was potentially damaging to or possibly caused the the falling out because at the point in time when I, I was talking about that at the point in time Axel would was livid over the fact that slash would you know go play for a big screen TV what he negotiated um, with somebody after Axel had just released a story about being molested as a, as a baby. I can, uh, and that was my only point. I can understand that. I can't blame him. I can, if, if that's the case, I can't blame him for that. Sure. You know, and, and your business partner. Up until that point, he had no idea. And people ask, you know, what's the greatest thing you ever did for Guns N' Roses? The reality, greatest thing I ever did for Guns N' Roses is not letting Axel know how the rest of the band felt about him. <laughs> Far and away, he would have gone home because he loved the rest of the guys. He didn't understand why they would have any issues with him, and I do. We all do. I mean, if you're standing up on stage and your lead singer leaves the stage and you have to play for a half an hour before he comes back, yeah, you're going to have a lot of hostility towards the guy, you know. And, and, and I'm asking them to not let that manifest um, for fear that we're all going to go home. Do you think it's a miracle that uh, Slash and Axel have been not just got back together but touring for three plus years? Did you ever imagine we would get to this point? Or you thought it was. No, I thought. Yeah. Oh. Oh yeah. 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 Clearly, look. I'm not the only one who thought so. I mean, Irving Azoff. He didn't decide to manage Jackson Rose because he thought that uh, Buckethead would still be in the band. I mean, he was gunning for it. And and, and Doc McGee, who's a great friend of mine, Doc decided to take over and to try and convince Axel to bring the other guys back. I mean, everybody was hoping that it would transpire. It just took, you know, it, it took the uh, the perfect uh, the perfect storm, right? Sure. To make it happen, and so the divorce of of uh, Slash and Perla, um, Axel wasn't necessarily as happy playing the sides venues as he was, as opposed to being able to put Slash and Dove back in Solid Stadium. So, you know, I just think it, it was inevitable. It just had to be the perfect storm to make it transpire. 
Yeah, yeah, that that's that's life. It's got to be the time and place, and you know, as somebody, you know, look, yeah, my, never... my biggest frustration, Brandon, to be honest with you, and again, you can't put the genie back in the bottle, but I know everything I did for that band. I know from a marketing perspective. The reality is, never one show without a uh, with a unsold ticket, not one, in two and a half years on the Usual Illusion tour. No other managers can say that, and so to not even be given the opportunity. Or, or even the, a phone call saying we've decided to go in a different direction because, I mean, they're, I mean, look, <laughs> I took them all around the world and now they're reaping the benefits of it. Um, so, but you know what? It's okay. It's okay. It's <laughs> so you okay. retired to Hawaii. I mean, you're, you live, you're living the dream anyway. Yeah. Well, I know you're not in Hawaii right now, but I mean, that's that was- right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, something else you did for GNR and, and something that, you mentioned before, and I appreciate this comment from from Martin from the Netherlands. He says, "Hi, Doug. Uh, thanks for keeping all the GNR members alive." I'm Martin. Pre- Martin. Uh, I'm sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure that if it wasn't for uh, you, certain members wouldn't even be breathing as of today. So, you know, I'm sure. You know, it's a lot. Of, you know, we've talked about you know my issues uh, with in you know why I've been in therapy. I think about. If I acted this way, this person would still be around, you know, and it's hard. I mean, I'm sure you tried to make the best decisions as you could at that time, but just like the reunion, you know, it's Brandon, just time and place. You know, that, you know this, so it's edification, not education. But it, as, as one of the things that I have been doing in my in my quarantine time, I've been reading uh, and watching some uh, interviews with the different guys. And I, I saw, uh, I mentioned earlier, I saw one with Duff. And and uh, and Duff even said they were talking about had somebody taken you to a rehab. Um, do you think it would have stuck? And he said no, no, because I wasn't ready to go. And it, it's the old adage of, you know what? We can talk till we're blue in the face, and I certainly used to with Slash um, about you know you can't do this to us, you can't do this to yourself, you're going to die. But until a person's ready to make that decision upon their own. Uh, they're just not going to, right? No, you're right. I, I mean, I had, I had to make the decision to, you know, go to therapy. Yeah. Uh, and thankfully, my therapist helped me make the decision to stop drinking because right. I'm like, oh, I'm not an alcoholic. I don't drink when I go out. Yeah. But uh, you know, I'm like George Thurgood drinking alone in my apartment. You know, it's just, it, it, it wasn't very good. Um, yeah. So I don't want to keep you here forever, I mean, because we're doing this Facebook no, no, Live no, for. Good, yeah. Look at you. You're you're a beautiful man. Uh, <laughs> this is also from uh, Emmy Taro, and forgive me again if I'm mispronouncing it. Uh, what did happen? I know we know you might have talked about this at uh, at one point. What happened backstage at the MTV Awards between GNR and Nirvana? Just watched a Nirvana doc, and her Kurt used to stay at hotels under the name Bill Bailey, which is Axel's real name, yeah. uh, as a joke or maybe out of respect. But what really? No, no, respect. Uh, so what really happened at the award show? I mean, it was pretty simple. It was uh, it was kind of a big quad area. It was at UCLA, and we're walking across the quad area, and it's myself, Stephanie Seymour, and Axel, and Courtney starts chiming up very loud to where everybody can hear it. Oh, look, it's asshole Rose. Hey, asshole Rose, is that your supermodel fucking fiance? So and and Axel's just like. Just let it go, Courtney. No, fuck you, asshole Rose. And so he walked up to Kurt and said, shut your fucking cunt trap <laughs> or, I'll, or I'll take it out on you. And he didn't say a 
Kurt was scared shitless, didn't say a word. And the, the frustrating thing is Axel loved Nirvana. He was the one that went to Slash and Dub with copies. They were on the same label with copies and said, listen to this. This is where music is going. And those guys kind of sloughed it off. It's kind of yeah. funny in retrospect. Now they act like, you know, oh, yeah, we were big Nirvana. But no, they weren't. So it really, and it, I mentioned it for myself, you know, anger is never a primary emotion. And Axel's the same way. For him, it's usually when his feelings get hurt, he lashes out. So, um, so he actually went to with me um, over to their dressing room area uh, and tried to call out Kurt and anybody else that would want to fight him. Just, I mean, he's he's not, so he'll fight anybody, right? And, That's why you guys got along because you'll fight anybody too. Oh, absolutely. He, <laughs> tried, he tried to fight me one time in Atlanta. Didn't, he, he thought better of it after a while. But okay. okay. Anyway, yeah. So um, save that for the book. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so um, nobody would respond. I mean, not none of them, right? And they just stayed in the dressing room. They were afraid. So uh, then they go on stage, and Kurt uh, Novoselic, uh, you know, he starts. This one's for Axel. You know, I mean, sh- shut up. I mean, my whole deal is: look, if you're gonna be a big mouth, say it to the guy in person. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's just where I come from. That's kind of where I come from. You know, it's the whole martial arts thing. It's like, if I have an issue with you, you're going to know it. I'm not going to, like, hide and wait until I go on national television. I mean, it, it's still made for it's still an iconic TV moment that we still talk about to this day. Right. And, you know, uh, just it's crazy. You know, now it just seems like so many feuds are forced or staged, you know? Yeah, right. Well, you look, Axel was never one to want, uh, you know, uh, he never went out publicly to talk about his issues. He just didn't, right? I mean, it's it's like the the Vince Neil thing. I mean, when Vince punched Izzy at the at, at the Tom Petty show, um, you know, Axel wanted to kill him, and 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 uh, and um, you know, he, he's uh, Vince is telling everybody on MTV and anywhere anybody else that'll listen that he wants to have a pay per view fight with Axel. Um, so Axel had me call Doc McGee, who managed. Vince at the time and say, you know what? Um, Axel's tired of the shit. He doesn't want to do it publicly. Uh, there's a country where you can actually go fight to the death. Axel's not <laughs> yeah, it was, and Axel's serious. What? It, Vince stopped talking right there. That's it. <laughs> no more talking about that. Yeah. God, you wanted to go street fighter on him. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, that- go fight to the death. Oh, who knows? Maybe they can still have it. It can be like uh, Mayweather Pacquiao. Past its prime, but still, I'm sure it'll, it'll, it'll get so, uh, some good numbers. Uh, this is from uh, Dennis Pratt again, but that, that's okay yeah. if you guys submit more than one question. They just have great listeners. Yeah. Uh, what happened after – speaking of Izzy, uh, what happened after the show where Izzy uh, chases Axel and kicks him? Uh, I think it was England. I think the video is still floating around uh, somewhere. So do you uh, – are you familiar? No. Okay. Uh, so, Dennis, if you want to... No, Dennis will send that to me. Elaborate. Yeah, just let us know. Uh, Izzy chases Axel? So, he said, oh, Izzy chases Axel and kicks him. I think it was England. Never. Don't remember that at all. All right. So, Dennis, uh, you're obviously... I'd love to see you, Dennis. <laughs> uh, Sammy Johnstone asks, uh, any fun memories to share Calder Park in Melbourne, Australia in 1993? Which, which show? Uh, Mel- uh, 1993, Calder Park. Calder Park! Oh, 
that was an insane show. It was heat. It was rain. Um, I actually did a uh, an interview recently uh, for the television station, one of the news stations down there. Uh, kind of remembering it. I mean, it was uh, it was um, you know worried about public transit and there weren't enough bathrooms. I mean, the whole thing was just a mess. But the concert itself was phenomenal. Um, I remember uh, helicoptering in. Um, and the amount of people that were at that show was crazy. Um, it was a, it was a real fun experience. I mean, we had a good time with that show. Uh, albeit, I wish the fans were had a better time <laughs> than. Uh, but I mean, who knew, right? I mean, the rain and the heat combined made for a real difficult day. I can't even uh, imagine. I don't know if I've ever had a really poor weather concert experience. I in sports, I have. I well, you know, Brandon, the, the, our big saying on the Usual Illusion Tour was, you should have been here yesterday, because we heard that every city we went to. That's funny. Every city we went to, it's like, you should have been here yesterday, man, the weather was great. So, yeah, okay. Well it's, well, it's like when I went to Austin, Texas for the first time, and it was 50 yeah. degrees. I'm bringing all like you know, tank tops and basketball jerseys. I mean, right. thank goodness I brought a I brought a hoodie, but it's like I'm in Texas. Why Why is it cold? Yeah, oh, right. you should have been here last weekend. I don't know. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Th- th- thanks yeah. so much. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's so many different. Um, well, Dennis did show the video. Izzy kicks Mike at Axl Rose. Uh, rare I footage. Mike at him. So, I mean, obviously, uh, if Doug, you know, if later on you want to comment on this thread or. You know, maybe one day I'll make this as cool as Joe Rogan or Anthony Cumia where I can have things <laughs> interactive. Right. Um, you know, here's a, an interesting question. Just you're, you're, just your thought. You know, if you don't know, you don't know. Uh, this is from Sean. Do, does Doug have any insight as to why Axel sounded so – well, what he feels is better during Axel DC than GNR. And the reason – because I saw – I was lucky enough to see Axel DC. And it's yeah. just like a rasp for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. With Gene R, because it's three and a half hours, it's just like – it's just so many different ranges. Like do you have any thoughts about you – know, well, you Yeah, you, your thoughts are exactly where mine are, Brando, which is you know, um, ACDC's music, uh, great music. Don't get me wrong. Um, but vocally, you're not, you're not challenging yourself near as much as some of the Guns N' Roses set. Um, and I don't know how long the ACDC shows were. You were there, not me. Um, all I, I can say I think it was like an hour and a half. Yeah, well, which is like half the, the, the it's half a Guns N' Roses show. Exactly. So I mean, I look. I did have a conversation with Axel's vocal coach Ron Anderson uh, before the tour. He Ron's just a friend, and I said, "How's he doing?" He goes, "Doug, he he is." He's singing better than I've ever heard him sing. Now, I'm sure that, you know, when you push yourself for three, three and a half hours every night, um, that's difficult to do every night. Um, but Ron felt that Axel had gotten himself vocally, anyway, into the best shape of his life. I mean, just just to do that, you know, because ACDC yeah. well, it blew me away. I, 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 yeah. I, I don't know what my expectations were. You know, right. it's when you saw the clips on YouTube. A, yeah. a lot of people were like, when they first heard the news, like, you know what? Let's start there. When you first heard about Axl Rose, I, I, forgive me if I asked you this. I don't remember. No, no. No, uh, I don't think you have. Do you, what was your, your thought? Because I'll just say real quick, I was like, how, is that going to fit? Like, that's weird. Then I saw the YouTube videos. I'm like, whoa, this is working. 
I yeah. saw it live. It's it's if not one my favorite concert ever. It's it's tied. You know, well, uh, it's up there. I, mean, I, I was actually looking forward to it. I've been an ACDC fan for a long, well, since high school, right? Sure. I mean, Highway to Hell came out when I think I was a freshman or sophomore. Um, and certainly I'd have the benefit of hearing a whole lot of Rosie, right? Um, yeah, right. So, I mean, a number of times. But, <laughs> sure. uh, but uh, no, I was looking forward to hearing it. And I don't know whether there's any truth to it or not, but I had heard a rumor that Axel, Axel actually went through a, um, just like everybody else, he went through a... Um, Audition? Uh, Audition? Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think I've heard that too. I think yeah, I've heard that like, too. Like, he didn't ask for any favoritism. He just said, look, if what you need is an audition, I'll come in and I'll do the audition. And if it works, great. And if it doesn't, you know, no harm, no foul. That's awesome. Nobody's ever confirmed that for me or not, but that's certainly what I heard. I think I, I don't know if, I don't think it was from you, but I think that's just the, what the, what they're saying around the water cooler as they, uh, as as they say, um, just unbelievable. So, you know, with everything that's, that's going on, what are you doing? Because you know, I, I I don't want to keep you. For, I want to have you back. I don't want you to waste stories and you hey, know. Man, I'm good, but what are you doing to stay busy? What are you doing to stay busy at home? How you, during this time? Yeah, during this time. Like, how are you keeping I, yourself sane? What are you watching on Netflix? Are you binge watching anything? Well, What's you going know what? on? I'm a binge watcher of uh, one of my favorite shows is Person of Interest with Jim Caviezel. Okay. Uh, look, you know, I mean, we've talked about it extensively. I'm a martial arts guy. And some of the fighting scenes that, that they've choreographed are dead on. Caviezel's the real deal. Um, and so it's kind of fun to watch that. Um, but it's also a great show. I mean, it's, it's got, you know, all the stuff that you look for in a, in a show. Suspense and thriller and car crashes and explosions. And, uh, and the nerdy tech guy, billionaire, who hired him originally. It's just a great, it's a great show. I mean, if you haven't watched it, it's definitely worth watching. Is that the one with? Um, I think you're saying the nerdy guy. Is that the actor that plays Ben from Lost? Is he in that? Uh, I don't know if you ever saw Lost. Much, I don't know the show. Oh well, now is the time, especially because there's a a quarantine theme in yeah. Lost. Oh, okay, all right, okay. I've watched it three times. I love Lost. Okay. Yeah, it may frustrate you, but you know, I, no, no, no. It's it's, <laughs> it's great. Yeah, so other than that, I mean, catching up on new music. Um, anyone that excites you? Music. Anyone that excites you? Like anyone new that excites you? Other than Honey, anyone new that excites you? Like new artist? Well, yeah, actually, there's a there's a band. Well, two of the guys in the band I've been friends with for ages. They're originally out of Brazil, um, but they've been living in England now for about four years. The Cavina Brothers, and they hooked up with Michael Shanker's son. Uh, it's a band called Madre Sun, uh, S-U-N, Madre as an M-A-D-R-E, Sun. Uh, great band, rock band, right? Which, I mean, I, I don't skew too far. Although, you know what, I, I, I've really, because of my son and people saying, oh, gee, they sound so much like this band, I've listened a lot and have become a huge fan of The Cure, which I never was before. Okay. You know, I actually, for the first time, when I went to Austin, I got yeah. to see The Cure at Austin City Limits. It's like Robert Smith, speaking of voices, it's like it's the same. Right. It's exactly the same. Is that right? Yeah. I thought it was funny because uh, 
I mean, my, I keep telling my, my girlfriend to get more into New Wave because she likes a lot of this indie stuff. And I'm like, uh-huh. you'll, you'll like New Wave. And I don't think she ever knew what The Cure looked like. And yeah, she's right. like, why is Robert Smith? She's like, he shouldn't be wearing that makeup. I'm like, that's just Robert Smith. Right. That's yeah. like that's like telling Superman to go out without his cape. Just, uh, that's right. Yeah. Take it easy. The so. other one that I love, and 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 I I, I I have loved them forever, but I'm a huge Annie Lennox fan. Okay, sure. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, a tour manager who was a mentor, one of my mentors in the industry, a guy named Tony Wiggins. Um, he's been their tour manager forever, so I've kind of gone back and I've listened to a lot of rhythmic stuff and, and Annie Lennox solo stuff, and talk about pipes. Woo! My lord. I know, I know. Yeah. So, well, I, I, we can be here again. It's like every episode, you know, every time you're on, we're talking for an hour, and I feel like I always just chip the. Now we know we're not in the studio. I have a fire engine That's going. Right. They're, they're, they're still on the road, and the fire engines That's are right. still on yeah. the road. Um, but I'm glad you're you're staying safe. You're being safe. This is just, I mean, it's it's the overused phrase of. Do you mind that there's a fire? Like, just, just wait. I'm recording here. Just the, over, the overused phrase, like, this is just unprecedented. Like, nobody is, has yeah. experienced this ever, you know, and not certainly, if it's not in my lifetime, to use a phrase, certainly not in your lifetime. Yeah, right. Why? You know, I talked to my dad. He's 82 years old. He said, have you ever been through anything like this? He said, nothing. I mean, nothing even comes close. It's just, um, you know, it's scary. And again, it's just, a, it's uh, in a way, time to reevaluate. You know, your priority, stay at home, listen to music, listen yeah. to podcasts. Uh, yeah. The way, you know, just obviously I would love to have a better setup, but just, you know, talk to friends. My, yeah, right. You know, I, I have one a, thing that I do want to say, uh, Brandon, to everybody is, you know, I was tested, tested negative. Okay, good. But the reality is you, have, you still have a social responsibility to make sure that you're not getting it. Um, you know, so... Even if you come back with a negative test or if, or if you haven't been tested, uh, it is a nasty, uh, a very nasty flu. Um, and I encourage everybody to continue doing exactly what they're doing. Um, you know, and if other people, and look, if other questions come up, Brandon, through this whole thing, by all means, just share them with me and we can do this again in a week or so because we'll still be on quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> I, we we laugh and we cry at the same time. But, Absolutely. But yeah, we, yeah. Thanks, yeah. and I, just to let you know the reach. Uh, the, so I want to acknowledge. Uh, Salman says hello. I'm from Indonesia. So, Indonesia. So tell him I got it. My favorite tattoo I got in Bali. It was a 12 hour job. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's, I love it. It's a uh, it's a female Buddha. Okay. Um, That's cool. And then in Balinese it says God's in our hearts, minds, and soul. Oh. Beautiful. Well, when this, uh, in addition to just talking to you again in the future, when this does all end, you know, like we've been saying, come to New York. I, I want to, you know, I'd love it. Hang out. Let's just let's go out to dinner. But stay it's safe good. and just, uh, you know, God bless and thanks for spending this time for me and uh, the Guns N' Roses fans. And to everybody, Michaela, Martin in the Netherlands, everybody else, thank you very much. I appreciate you guys. But Michaela. And Martin, I know those guys really well, and I greatly appreciate some chiming in. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Doc. We'll talk soon. Peace, bud. Bye. Right, thanks, Brandon. Bye. So thanks, guys, for, for hanging out. I appreciate those of you who have enjoyed me doing these Facebook Lives. Um, people are doing it. It's not like it's a new thing. You know, the, the YouTubers have been doing it for so long. But, you know, I want the quality. It, 
I work in a radio studio to be up to a certain level, but I think everybody understands. Uh, I, I like that we get to interact. Um, I mean, I guess I could do this during other. See, you know what? Because I'm not when I'm recording a call. It's not on a speakerphone. It's all going internal. So if I were to do a Facebook Live, the way I normally do a podcast, I I could try to figure out a way to set it up so you can listen while it's all going on. But you know my my knowledge is limited. So just again, again uh, just thanks for hanging out. Really do appreciate it. You know, just keep following here on Facebook for more updates, more guests. Uh, I said I was going to do it tonight. I may reschedule, and I apologize because I haven't messaged him just yet. I want to. Uh, we're going to interview Greg. Uh, oh, dog is FaceTiming me again. Hey, dog. Hey, dog. I'm still. I'm still. Hey, I'm recording my goodbye. <laughs> so I'll talk to you in a minute. Hi, buddy. Bye. Bye. <laughs> See, and if this was a podcast, I would be editing. Oh, who cares? It's just fun. It's live radio. Uh, but I'm gonna, I'm going to be speaking with uh, Greg Renoff, who is an author. Uh, and, and wrote a great Van Halen book, Van Halen Rising. And if you've been following on social media, Facebook or Twitter, we put out there, what's the, you know, what do you prefer for a debut album, Van Halen or Guns N' Roses? Obviously, it's just a silly, fun question, uh, but we'll talk to him about his book. We'll talk to him about, you know, Appetite and Van Halen's first record. So I was originally going to do that tonight, but this impromptu conversation with Doug Goldstein, I want you guys to digest everything that he said so i don't want to kind of maybe burden uh, you guys so i'll probably book that for next week especially since tomorrow right here on facebook live we'll be er interviewing ernie c from body count uh, ernie c is back on the show he's been on before uh talking about you know the new record carnivore he's great friends with duff mckagan so plenty of stuff to talk to him about i appreciate you know it's hard for musicians out there. People, they have a new album. They can't go out and promote it. So we'll promote it through here. So again, thanks for hanging out through this episode of Appetite for Distortion. Uh, when will you see the next one? Well, I guess I told you uh, it's going to be uh, tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow's Friday. Tomorrow. <laughs> when you're in quarantine, right? Am I the only one? It's like, what What day is it? Where am I? So tomorrow we'll be speaking with Ernie. And in addition to that episode and the one with Greg and this one, they will all be not just on Facebook Live. They're going to be on the podcast platforms, iHeart, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that fun stuff. So you can listen to it uh, as well. But when – so when are you going to see it? Just to keep in tradition of my, my sign-off. Uh, well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if uh, you'll see it. Wait, sorry. I was reading a comment. See, that's why I don't do the lives. Trim Chico uh, Tim Chicoli, the guy who has um, 200 or 300 Guns N' Roses shirts. This is Austin City Limits. This is the Austin, Texas shirt. There's a – let me turn around. There's a back to it. There's a back to it as well. I wanted to get the lithograph, um, but I, I think I said this to on the Facebook Live with Ian. I just didn't want to carry it around. You know, I have, I have that one pointing yes i have that one uh so anyway uh until next time when will you see the next episode of appetite for distortion well the words of axel rose concerning chinese democracy i don't know if soon is the word but you'll see it